The nail in the coffin! Episode 47, a feel-good edition of The Nail in the Coffin. I am Tom Valentino, uh, joined as always by Travis Hewley. Trav, I am uh, holed up here on the road in beautiful Falls Church, Virginia for work. You were uh, holding it back down in uh, Cleveland. Um, pretty uh, pretty exciting night here, huh? Uh, yeah, the, the city's popping right now. Uh, it's it's what a, what a time to be from Cleveland. That's all I can say at this time. We've uh, we've got the reigning NBA champions, and we now have the American League champion, Cleveland Indians. Uh, we're about, uh, I'd say, a couple hours removed here from the Tribe, uh, nailing it down against the uh, the Blue Jays. Finished them off tonight, uh, won the series four games to one. And uh, let me ask you, were you at all uneasy with um, the direction the series was going after uh, losing game four? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of had to be more uneasy considering you were up 3 nothing and you were cruising and you had your best pitcher going um, in game four. So you had to come back a little bit from that. I think probably where most people's nerves came in, I probably identify with this camp just because I've been overly nervous about everything, um, is that they, they, they I don't want to say they wasted, but they wasted a Kluber start. And I think we thought, you know, if, if you start Kluber and he wins game four, great. And there was this big debate about should you pitch him in game four? Should you save him for game five? Um, I think we get at this point that Tito's logic was, you know, if I am if I need him in game seven, I can't pitch him in game five. So uh, they pitched him in game four and he was going to go on short rest again in game seven if needed. Luckily, that's not needed. But I think most people were like, well, if he loses that game four, Who's going to win Game Five and Game Six for you? You're suddenly behind the eight ball because you got this this Ryan Merritt guy who nobody knows anything about or nobody knew anything about. Uh, seems like they know a shitload about him now, but uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, it was sort of like a question mark as to what we're going to do for Game Five and Game Six. So uh, as has been the theme all year, um, especially over the last few weeks, Tito pulls all the right strings, and we're going to the World Series. I, I had no problem with pitching Kluber in game four, even though it didn't me really neither. work out. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, I questioned a little bit, and I thought, you know, yeah, maybe we do just want to save him. But you can't really play that way. You can't, you know, because if he loses game five, then you don't even have him for a game seven. So I think it was the right play. Yeah, and just to get back to whether you were nervous or not after game four, I, I mean, conventional wisdom says there's no way that the Indians would blow a, a three nothing lead in a series considering that they hadn't lost four games in a row all year but you could at least see a, a path where it could happen you you already lose one Kluber game then you're looking at Ryan Merritt pitching game five when he's got 11 innings total in his major league career then you got Josh Tomlin who has been phenomenal since he came back into the rotation in September and especially in the playoffs but, I mean, let's not forget, he did really struggle before that, and now he's got some pressure on him. Who knows? And then you're coming back with Kluber in Game 7, and you know what? Throw all that out the window because uh, we got the Merritt Miracle tonight, killing him uh, 83 miles an hour at a time. What a Hitting unbelievable like outing. Crazy. Unbelievable watching him pitch. I, I I mean, I was texting you, I was texting a couple other people, you know, everyone's talking about this kid, and it's like, well, you know, if he can keep us in the game, I think was sort of the logic, you know, if he can keep us in the game, and if, you know, let's not get greedy, but if we can even have a lead after, you know, five or six, and we can go to the pen, that'd be, you know, that's perfect, that's all you can ask for, and he came out and faced, I think, one over the minimum, um, yes, he, he faced the minimum through four, um, gave up a hit in the fifth, and then yep. they pulled him. But he was just lights out, just putting the ball everywhere, exactly where he wanted to every time. Um, he got that hit on Donaldson, and we're all like, okay, well, how's he get out of this? Three pitches later, he gets a double play. Um, so it's 
it's awesome. I mean, it's it's not it's way better than anyone could have even asked for. Uh, we didn't get a ton. I know we scored three runs. We didn't get a ton of offense, um, and that's sort of been the theme this whole series. But you know, matter. that's no, that was the thing. It, it was not a lot of offense, but getting it when we did, I think, was huge because yep. getting that run in the first inning. I mean, maybe it was only one run but you're putting the kid out there and he's yeah. already got a lead. And yeah. I think that had to be a, uh, a huge um, boost and, and takes a lot of the weight off your shoulders when you know the team's already gotten you out um, to, to a lead there early. And, you know, they, they put up runs in a, a couple other innings and, you know, built on it a little bit. But, sure. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just kind of adding to the whole aura of this just unlikely incredible run is we keep sweating – how the pitching staff's going to hold it together with all these injuries. And, and, you know, especially once you see Trevor Bauer um, with uh, a scene out of Friday, the 13th on his hand there in the first inning of game three. Um, but really, where do, you, it, where do you stand on that? Not to derail you. Where do you stand? Are you only, cause everyone seems to fall into these two camps right now, pissed at Trevor Bauer for being stupid and messing with a drone or people that are like, well, it, sort of a fluke thing it could have happened anyway blah 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 blah. nobody really seems to be in the middle on it i guess i'm just confused because like when he described the way it happened like i don't have a problem with him i mean fiddling around with his drone i mean that that we know that that's what the guy likes to do and it's how he unwinds and it keeps him in a good frame of mind and i want my guys at the most comfortable that they can be and, yeah, you and don't doing their thing. Routines now. Don't change your routine. It's exactly right. And you know, if if his way of blowing off steam was uh, you know base jumping or or uh, you know riding a, a dirt bike <laughs> or something, then yeah, I might have an issue with extreme it. Extreme fighting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you're know, going in and you know trading hands with Stepe. That, yeah, that's probably a bad that's idea. That's probably not but, great, right? But you know, just fiddling around with a drone in theory should not cause. Uh, the butchering of his hand that happened. So when he described the way it happened, I, I was just bewildered. And, and I'm just like, you know, it, it's a freak thing and it, it sucks. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm, if I have to fall into one of the two camps, I'm kind of of the mindset that I, I don't really blame him that much because sure. I don't think it was that stupid a thing to be doing. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I guess I didn't realize this much about drones, but I heard a guy who like works at a uh, like hobby shop who said, yeah, man, some of those those more expensive, like nicer ones, those <laughs> those propellers are very sharp and they get going really quick right away. So he said it's not that crazy of an idea um, or not that crazy of a thought. So it sounds like it's just a fluke and the guy yeah like you said he always does it so i'm not going to crush him for doing you know something that's seemingly really i mean it's he's playing with remote control toys let's it's not it's not like he's out there doing something stupid very expensive toys but yeah sure but it's not like anything who thinks that's going to happen so i i guess the other thing besides just how bizarre it was the way that injury happened the other thing to me that kept sticking out in my head was watching that game on Monday night, how in God's name did they ever think that that finger was going to hold up for any length of time? The, like how did he even warm up without it opening? Because they said, oh, he's been pitching with it and, and, and it's been great. And yeah, he's absolutely going to be fine. I think Last, some of like that 10 pitches. To, a, to, to a degree, some of that had to be gamesmanship on their part. But like, I just, I mean, they, they had to, and maybe they did know that they were going to be up against it with that because they already came out earlier in that day and announced that they were shuffling the rotation and going with merit instead of Clevenger in game five, if necessary. And they laid out all the different scenarios where Kluber may or may not pitch in game four. And um, clearly the wheels seemed to be turning behind the scenes, but you yeah, know, they had they, to know it was a possibility. They had that, they had that finger just bandaged up the entire time. And you never really saw how bad that injury was until he actually stepped out on the mound. And yep. then I'm looking at that, and I'm like, there's no way. And, you know, what did he last, about eight pitches? And, I mean, yeah, and, it, and it wasn't but... like it was like a, you know, little drip. I mean, that thing was pouring. It, it, was, it was for, it, for a finger. I didn't disgusting. realize that much blood went to a finger, quite frankly. No, it, and yeah, it was gross. It and... looked like a, a Ric Flair blade job from uh, – you know, uh, Starcade in 1983 or something. I, 
<laughs> That's a hell of a reference. I did not. I mean, Jesus. Over under. If you put the over under at Starcade references that I would hear tonight uh, at zero point five, I still would have taken the under. So kudos to you on pulling that one out. Um, well, see, I I'd have won that bet, and and you would have won the bet tonight um, when I texted you about uh, Cody Allen closing out uh, the ninth inning. I I said. Um, do you think that the tying run is going to come to the plate? And I asked you that at, at, when Batista was leading off the inning, and you stuck to your guns. You said absolutely not. And I thought for sure that uh, knowing the way Cody Allen works, we were going to get a little bit of drama. And uh, you know, kind of did. He got a leadoff double, but with three run lead, uh, he did. Nothing. But he, I think after that strikeout, strikeout, pop out uh, yep. in foul territory. Yep. So, I mean, he that emphatically slammed the door. That, uh, especially by his standards, that's um, that, that's lights out. But uh, you know, just getting back to the point that I was um, yeah, getting sorry. to before, <laughs> it's like, no, no. It's like, anytime we can derail into uh, Ric Flair references, I'm I'm always uh, up for that. And but uh, the the thing I was going to say is, you know, we keep you know thinking about and um, you know sweating the details with the pitching staff and how are we going to get through this game and the next game and the pitching has been unbelievable i mean up and down the staff the uh that game three you know with bauer coming out it was the first time in the history of major league baseball that a team won a postseason game without any pitcher getting more than five outs and at the same time it's been the offense that's you know been kind of coughing and wheezing to the finish here yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but when when I heard we were going into, and I told this to uh, another buddy of mine earlier, I said, if you told me going into the, into the playoffs, you were going to lose, you know, your second and third starter, you weren't going to have them, um, and you're going to have to pitch like Ryan Merritt in games, and Josh Tomlin's going to have to pitch really well for you to have a chance. I'd say, you know what, I'm happy with the season. We're playing with house money at this point. Yes. Two, two weeks later, I'm going to be crushed if this team doesn't win at all. I love this team. I, I liked them a lot before, but I've just fallen in love with this team. I love watching them play, and I'm going to be devastated if they don't finish the job. They've uh, they've got a little bit of that 90s Indian swagger to them. You could, you could just see that you hear all the reporters. I think a little less are, flash. Maybe a little bit, but um, they, uh, they, they've got the attitude about them. I think that, that that 90s Indians core had with these guys, I mean, any of the reporters that you hear that maybe aren't around them day to day and are just kind of getting to know them a little bit more on the national stage now, they all say, I've never seen a team with this big of a chip on its shoulder. And it's like people just keep counting them out, keep writing them off, and they just, you know, keep sticking it in people's tails, tailpipes because they, you know, it's it just, you know, one went after another defying the odds. And it's, um, and there's no doubt in, in that clubhouse. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, I mean, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, but they're having a ton of fun, too. Sure. They're not just out there, you know, like sort of like angry and motivated like you see sometimes because that usually dies out. The teams come out there and they're like, you know, I really want to prove someone wrong. That that usually helps you out early. But then, you know, it kind that'll of get you off. for a game. Yeah, exactly. And that, that wears off. They're playing a yeah. They have a chip a chip on their shoulder, but they also have a ton of fun playing together. You can tell they really love playing with each other, and every night one of those guys might be the guy that does it. And it's a different guy every night. I know we've said this before, but the way that this team has just gelled and they always have a different guy step up. It's it's just really fun to watch because you don't know who it's going to be, but every guy is excited to do it, and every guy's excited for the other guy that does it. Um, there's guys on this team who I guarantee people watching these games did not know about Francisco Lindor specifically, who people did not know about. And he's probably, I mean, he looks to be on a fast track to be one of the top four or five players in the league. Oh, he has had a phenomenal postseason. Um, you know, he, he was really, I think one of the best kept secrets in baseball. And He's not uh, going to be a secret anymore. No, not anymore. Secrets you, you out. Keep, keep showing out on a stage like this. That's, that's a way to make a name for yourself. And, um, just fantastic. I mean, both ways too. I mean, he's been clutch at the plate. He's come up with some very big hits. Um, and just defensively. Everything looks easy to him in the field. Everything. Yeah. 
it, it it's just the, the range he's showing at, at shortstop is just unbelievable. And um, yeah, he's been fantastic. And uh, you know, I mean, even guys that have kind of gone into cold streaks here and there, like I know we were kind of uh, concerned about Mike Napoli in the early part of the series. He's come through with some really big the last hits. two games. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, that, um, and I know like Jose Ramirez had a good division series and then he kind of scuffled through the, yeah, the LCS, but, LCS. but you know, I mean, you look at his track record, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him come back out in the world series and all of a sudden be one of the guys that they're counting on again. And it's like you said, it's, it's a different guy. It seems like every night or in the case of game three, when your starting pitcher goes down after two thirds of an inning, it's everybody contributing all on the same night. Um, yep both ways. I mean, you got guys up and down the lineup. I mean, again, Coco crisp, uh, you know, taking one deep, um, in a clinching game. That's, um, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Coco's had two homers this postseason that were huge. Um, and I think when that, when they made that move and got him, we were all just like, oh, okay, it's Coco, whatever. What's he going to do? Well, it, it's been another, you know, just another in a long line of moves that this team has made that have just worked out magnificently. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was trying to, I, I just lost my train of thought. I don't even know where I'm going, but <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so much emotion. Hey man, my alarm went off at four forty-five hey, this morning. Give me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of I'm break. not knocking you. We've all been there. <laughs> um, but no, uh, back to, back to the original point. I mean, and looking forward to the world series, I think there's usually two, two different trains I guess the teams can be on one where you know the team is hitting the cover off the ball and then they have a long layoff and that can slow them down which I think might be sort of what happened to the Blue Jays here because they just were crushing the ball against Texas and then they had a, a few days off and I think they could have cooled down or you know you're playing okay on offense but you're pitching well and you have that little time off and it gives you a chance to rest those arms and, you know, sort of reset and ha- and come into the series with your ideal lineup, which the Indians did last series and they're going to get to do again next series. So two things really with that position. Yeah, now I was going to say, number one, I think getting the rest here is going to be absolutely great for the Indians. It's fantastic. Because um, their guys, I mean, they perform great, but they're they're those guys in the bullpen especially they've been riding and, the pitching though they've been riding them hard and you know what they've gotten they've come through they've gotten the job done but um yeah getting a few days off to rest up and and refresh and refocus not the worst thing in the world as for what happened to the blue jays i think more than anything um the uh the difficulty in the quality of the pitching they were facing going from texas to the indians was uh like uh, going from taking Madden out of the, the box and putting it in your PlayStation and then all of a sudden going and turning it up to the all Madden level. Um, I think the Indians pitching is a hell of a lot better than anything they saw from Texas. And I mean, it's the, the, the old adage, the old cliche in baseballs that, you know, in the postseason, good pitching beats good hitting. And um, the Indians pitching has just been phenomenal. Um, the starters, uh, the, the bullpen, everybody. Yeah, and I think um, Tito specifically, the way that he's been handling the pitchers, I don't think it's really like we expected to see, um, and it's not really what we saw during the season, but um, in particular, two day, two games ago in game three, when uh, he had Miller come in and close, he had Allen pitch the eighth, and Miller came in in the ninth, and it was sort of... We, we kind of looked at it and we're like, well, this is this is unconventional. This isn't what we're used to. Um, and I might be wrong about that. I think Cody might have come in in the seventh. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Cody Allen came in ahead of Miller and we're, we're sort of like looking at it like, well, I don't know. This isn't what we've been doing. But it, it obviously ended up working. And I think um, the way that he's managing the team is sort of flipping conventional wisdom on its head. I think he realizes this team, you know, it's not going to be like a traditional sort of what you're always used to seeing, I think. And so he's trying some different things and he's, like I've said, he's pulling all the right strings and everything he does seems to, everything he touches right now is turning to gold. Yeah. You know, that game three. um, So Cody Allen came in in the seventh and 
my, my dad texted me about that. Like, what are we doing here? And I was, um, I, I think I was under the impression that uh, they were going to, with where they were in the order, they were going to have Cody Allen kind of face just the bottom of their order, uh, seven, eight, and nine. And, uh, and then have Andrew Miller come in for the eighth and ninth to face like Batista and uh, Donaldson and Encarnacion and those guys. But um, I really was surprised. They, they kept Cody Allen in for the eighth inning as well. And, and he ended up facing those guys. And by the time Miller came in to slam the door, I think he got the final four outs. It was really the, the most dangerous hitters in the Toronto lineup had already, um, gone. Had already gone through. So right. big credit to Cody Allen. He, uh, he got, he got through the, the toughest part of the order there in a spot in a game where he was not really used to pitching. Yeah, there's really no one that you can complain too much about, especially from a pitching standpoint. Maybe Shaw uh, yesterday, but, um, I mean, I, I think he's probably gotten sort of a raw deal um, all year just in terms of the credit he gets. I don't think people really appreciate how effective he's been and how good he's been this year. But um, And, yeah, he got roughed up one game against a really good lineup, so let's not, you know, let's not freak out too much on that. But overall, it's – like I can't I can't say it enough. I just I'm so excited watching this team. They're so much fun to watch. Everything they do seems to be you know sort of the right move, and the way that they play is just the way you want to see a team playing right now. So I don't care who we really play from the next series um, or from the other series. I don't care who wins through. Um, I do think from a novelty and entertainment standpoint, the Cubs would just be probably next level. I think the coverage that they're getting this year is just huge. Um, not that I really care particularly about that, but... Um, I could tell you who else is rooting for a uh, Cubs-Indians World Series. Oh, yeah. Any, a- anybody who owns a business in the secondary ticketing market. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> tell that, me about uh, it. that, yeah, I, I know the, the tickets for the uh, Indians home games already went on sale this morning, and I was uh, I was flying at the time that those tickets went on sale. Eh, don't so. worry. You saved yourself the hassle. I was frantically trying for 25 minutes to get some and nothing. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of that. I, as I kind of caught up on some of the, the chatter on Facebook and whatnot at lunch, it seemed like pretty much everybody struck out, um, almost everybody. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, I, for whatever you know difficulty that presented in trying to get the, uh, the tickets there just at the initial – uh, sale. Um, I, I think the what you're going to see from StubHub and SeatGeek and all those other uh, secondary places is going to be just absolutely outrageous. Yep, no question. And you've already sort of seen. It. I know some have already posted on the on those sites. Um, just insane markups. Um, so it's good for them, I guess. It's I, it, it's one of those things that always it always sort of annoys me, but it is what it is. There's no use really complaining about it anymore. Um, sorry, the, uh, I got a train coming behind me here. No, that's <laughs> uh, all right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I told a couple people. I said, "All right, I guess I'll see you guys at the bar then." Yeah, you know what? And then uh, the other thing is, we don't really have to worry about um, watching any more games on TBS. So, oh my goodness, um, thank if God. We are going to be on uh, watching on TV. That uh, you know, who does, we'll at least have that going the, for us. World What's Series it? anymore? Is it Fox? Fox has all the World Series. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, Joe Buck and his hair plugs will uh, be uh, coming to Cleveland this has week. Has Joe Buck been doing the games on Fox Sports One? Yes. He, okay. he I haven't skipped watched the any. Yeah, he he skipped the division series, but since they got to the LCS, I've I've got it on in the background here now. He's he's doing the LCS and gotcha. he'll do the World Series with uh, John Smoltz. Gotcha. That was the other one that all the backlash that. Uh, Fox got from having. Oh, hey, there's uh, another Harold... obscure pay per view reference. What's that? Backlash. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, no, they, they, they had had Harold Reynolds doing color commentary for the last couple of years. And, uh, and Tom Verducci, who also is like a, a really good writer for Sports Illustrated. And Harold Reynolds just got absolutely roasted for um, the job he did. So Fox uh, pulled the plug on that and 
they brought John Smoltz in, so it's Joe Buck and John Smoltz now. It's a pretty good broadcast. That sounds pretty strong, yeah. Yeah, it's it's solid. Um, I've been watching the games on uh, on FS1 for the the National League Championship Series, and um, it, it's been really good. Definitely a breath of fresh air compared to nice. um, what we got from TBS. But, yeah, no question. I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, gonna be fun though, man. You know, it's it's just so surreal to me that uh, you know the the dream scenario that we started thinking about back in June with like um, the uh, the Cavs raising a championship banner on the same night the Indians host the World Series. It's really gonna happen on Tuesday night. Get a load of this. Um, there's a very realistic chance that both the Cavaliers. And between the Cavs winning a championship and the Indians winning a championship, the Browns won't win a single game. <laughs> well, you know, got to keep us humble. Yeah, pl- pl- hit the meatloaf for us. <laughs> I see that reference all the time. And I'll be honest, I think for the first time in our life, and I think this, it, we've, we've mentioned it before, I think, it's in, I think it's 100% real right now. Browns are the third third fiddle in town right now. I don't think there's any debate about it. Very much so, and I'm completely fine with that. And they always have uh, been to us, but I think in general, yeah, in town they are. Yeah, I was going to say, you and I, this is... Um, That's um, one thing this, you and I stuck together on that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. <laughs> they're, they're giving us the <laughs> Huckle Buck. The Browns are giving everyone the old Huckle Buck. Anyone that's paying for tickets. <laughs> Well, you know, actually, that's funny you mentioned that. Um, I'm I'm going to the Browns game on um, uh, the day before Halloween, the 30th. On purpose? Yes. I, I, although, in my defense, I I won the tickets on the radio. All right. That's so cool. they were they they cost me nothing. But what station. Um, uh, one Oh two one as a matter of fact, cause oh, I was just, nice. uh, yeah, I don't, it's not one that I listen to very often, Smooth but adult like, hits. yeah, you know, I was just, I was driving, um, to, uh, I don't even remember. It was, it was in the morning. I think it was either driving into the office or going to a doctor's appointment or something. And they, uh, I, I was just flipping through all the stations and that's like on my second set of FM presets. Cause, um, the wife likes uh, putting that on sometimes oh, yeah. cause there'll be, some Always songs reliable. that Cassidy like, yeah, you know, it's just, it, it's background noise. I, I hardly ever even listen to music anymore in the car, but I just, I happened to hear, they said like, coming up, we're going to play this sound effect. And uh, when you hear it, you know, be the, we were going to do caller zero because the Browns have zero wins, but that obviously doesn't work. <laughs> so we'll just go with the first caller. And uh, the, the sound effect they had was like a guy getting tackled. And then you just hear this voice go, Go Browns. Yay. <laughs> that was the sound that the station had. They're like, give away these tickets. So I call and I'm just like, oh, what the hell? I, I'm like, you know, I, I've been wanting to like go down there and tailgate. Yeah, and I'm not? like, sure. if I'm going to go down there and tailgate, I mean, what's the worst that I could do with getting some free tickets to go in there for a yeah, bit? It's fine. Not? And uh, so I, I hear them play the sound effect and they, they, they get me on the air. And the guy's like, hey, Star 102, go Browns. And I just kind of let it sit there for a second. I go, yay. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well played, sir. They, uh, they, they got a kick out of that. So, uh, nice. yep, I uh, got to check my mailbox here. I'll be uh, nice. Yeah, cool. throwing a Sunday afternoon away. So I, I will make sure I'm home in plenty of time to watch. Uh, I guess that would be what? Game five of the World Series, I think, would be that night. Uh, the yeah, 30th? Tuesday, yeah, game five. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they're off on yeah. Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. So, also, no more four o'clock games, which is awesome. Yes, that's terrific. And as somebody who works a block away from the stadium, not having to worry about uh, getting gouged thirty dollars to park my car to go to work will be. Uh, a plus. How does that uh, work for you? If you go in and park and you're there when they, this is probably the worst like podcast <laughs> content ever. But so so, so if you're leaving, inside baseball in yeah. some downtown office work parking, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but if you leave work at like five five thirty, are they, are they just like you no know, waiting for you guys to leave so they can sell your spots? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, like if it's if it's a game, it's at night. 
Gotcha. Um, the lot that I park in, they don't really care as long as you're out. They'll, he'll just tell you, like, got to be out by five. So I, I get out of there around five and it's, gotcha. you know, if it's 10 or 15 minutes after they don't really care. But, um, yeah, but uh, if it's like one of those four o'clock games and, you know, it, it's like, well, the gates open two hours before that and they don't really care what time I'm arriving. If, right. if I'm going to still be there in the afternoon, then. Yeah, they're going to charge the full price for the nighttime, and um, thankfully my company's been really cool about it and let me work from home on nice. several of those days. But uh, but yeah, it's it you know it uh, it'll be nice to have business as usual uh, at work while our right. team is still kicking ass and playing uh, World Series games for sure. Speaking of uh, anything else on the tribe here, I know we're gonna we're gonna definitely talk more World Series. I think probably on Sunday. And uh, by then we'll know who who the team's playing and uh, who's going to be coming to town for for game one. But uh, anything else on the LCS? Um, yeah, actually, okay. I, didn't ha- I didn't have a strong feeling about Toronto when they came in. They might be the douchiest team in Major League Baseball. I didn't really feel one way or another about them. But between Josh Donaldson's hair and Jose Batista running his mouth and Encarnacion just. Every strike called against him is terrible, and uh, Tulowitzki has that stupid line cut in his hair. Like, I hate them all now. I didn't care about any of them before. I just <laughs> that's what, think that's what the postseason's all about. You, you should hate your opponent by the time uh, you get five games in. But no, I'm I'm 100% with you. And um, Donaldson's haircut. I know I'm probably not one to be having any room to talk about anybody's hair, but um, that that haircut was absolutely horrendous. And it's horrible. Um, and I like, I actually like Donaldson. I like the way he plays. Yeah. Obviously, he's a really good player, but he also, like, plays a lot, and he's very emotional, and you like that. If he was mm-hmm. on my team, I'd love him. But they all just look like huge douchebags. And then between Batista, like, running his mouth, and Encarnacion complaining every strike, like, I didn't expect to enjoy beating him that much. The Batista thing, in particular, because he really ran his mouth. He shut um, the bed all series. Co- well, yeah, and you know he was running his mouth after they were down two zero, and then um, when the Indians won Game Three, him and several of their other big name players all disappeared and didn't talk yeah. to the media. Yeah, and then he came out today with the talking about Merritt, who's going to be shaking, shaking in his, his boots. boots. Yeah, and uh, did you see what happened in the in the clubhouse after the game was over when the team was celebrating? No, they they gave Merritt. Uh, a couple of cowboy boots and he was shaking them <laughs> nice. in the air while nice. the team was gathered around him chanting boots, boots, boots. Nice. Get <laughs> so... fucked, Jose. <laughs> Seriously. What an yeah, idiot. Well, you better, you know what? You better that... hit better than like a buck 20 if you're going to talk they, shit. Their team might not be that annoying next year because uh, a good number of those guys might be gone. Yeah. Um, Batista is almost certainly gone and Encarnacion a uh, good chance as well. So you know that that might have been their last hurrah Good. and um you know just like uh in uh, the springtime when the Cavs drove a stake in the heart of the the raptors you know cleveland team goes right back up north of the border and Took does it again so. yep it's wild to me that like and i think i've said this on here before but you know you had the Cavs. all four series clinchers were on the road and then with the Indians, they clinched the division in the regular season at Detroit. They clinched the division series at Boston, and then they clinched the LCS at Toronto. It, the, like it's hard to close out games on the road, and our teams are just doing it left and right. It's unbelievable, especially in baseball where you get at least well, maybe not so much with the first series, but with this one, you would have had games six and seven at home. You assume that you know they're going to take two games at least, and you're going to go six or seven, right? So the fact that they were able to close out in five obviously is part of it. In the first series, you know, you only would have had game five at home, so that's really the only way you would have been able to clinch at home. But um, yeah, it's kind of crazy, and and they also don't have the same format that the NBA has. Or does the NBA have? Do they go two three two? In the no, conference. the NBA the, the NBA goes two two one 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 for all in, levels in in every round. It okay. used to be two three two for the finals to, because yeah, of the East Coast the West Coast travel, right. but they finally decided a couple of years ago. I th- I think the um, it was either the first Cavs Warriors series or one of the 
think it was one of the heat, heat ones. I think it was. Well, the, I think it. Yeah, I think, I think it, was it was the, the last heat, heat one. Heat Spurs. Yeah, yeah it was the, the last Heat Spurs. I think that um, went uh, was when it switched to two two one one one. So, um, yep, there it is. All right. Any anything else on the uh, the tribe? No, I think that's it. I'm uh, not much more to talk about. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, you know what else was a lot of fun? The Buckeyes what on else? Saturday. The Buckeyes yes, on Saturday they were. were a lot of fun. That's. I, uh... I'll just Go say, I, first, yeah, first of all, I I was not expecting Wisconsin to put up that kind of fight. I know I should have known better because every time we go there for a night game, they something like that happens where you know they they play a bit over their heads. I think. Um, they knocked us in the mouth, and I was I got there. I go saying us. Um, they knocked the Buckeyes in the mouth, and I, I I was nervous. Obviously, right off the bat, it just looked like they came to play, and the Buckeyes didn't. So it was, um, it, it was nerve wracking the whole game. But I tell you what, JT Barrett didn't. You know, he didn't dazzle. He didn't knock your socks off. But that kid just made play after play when you needed him to. You know, it's funny you, you said they got knocked in the mouth because that was exactly the the phrase that I wanted to lead off with talking about this was it's the old Mike Tyson quote, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And, you know, at that point, it's like, well, how are you going to respond when, when your whole uh, world gets blown up? And, um, you know, they were down 10 points on the road in a very hostile environment and you know what? I mean, and really struggling to move the ball, really struggling to move the ball. And I, I know Wisconsin had lost the game already to Michigan. It was a, a competitive game. And you don't think of them on the same tier as like, you know, Ohio state or a Michigan or, or one of those, you know, top five or six programs. But I mean, they were, they're a top 10 team They're That's a good team. And um, I, I think that that's a game that a lot of teams that, hadn't faced any adversity up to that point getting into that situation it would have been very easy to collapse and Ohio State I give them credit man they they found a way they got it going in the second half and you know I I think some people might have kind of wondered about the end of regulation not going for uh trying to get down the field and, and and get a field goal there to to end the fourth quarter but um I think the way that Urban played that I think it was a real show of confidence in his team saying that, you know, uh, we could just go out and win this thing straight up in overtime. And I trust my team and, you know, they, they, they got it done. Yeah. And I'll say the one I was under normal circumstances, I would have been sort of, you know, screaming at my TV, like, why the hell aren't you trying to get down and score? But the, there was a lot of drops in that game. The, the wide receivers hands just did not seem reliable for much of that game. And where they were on the field, I, I just sort of told myself, you know, the worst thing that could happen here is, you know, he makes a throw, goes right off a guy's hands and into a Wisconsin guy's hands. So, and, and, and you know, you're already on a short field and they're already in field goal position at that point. So mm-hmm. I was fine with them, you know, just taking what they had, going into overtime and saying, yeah, we'll match up straight up and we'll go take it there. Um, like you said, it showed a lot of confidence that, yeah, we don't need to, you know, hurry down and try to get this field goal. We think head-to-head straight up we can take you guys and they did yeah really really impressive and um yeah i i mean it's always to me i i think i'm definitely less i i obviously i'll, I'll cheer for ohio state but i don't have quite the the emotional investment that you do and you are very what i'm about to describe here you are not a part of but um there is a very strong contingent of people on twitter and on facebook that um, if Ohio State's not winning by four scores midway through the first quarter, it's what the hell's going on? That everything's awful and, and and the world's falling apart. And you know, it's <laughs> when you play good teams, you're you're going to get into a fight sometimes. I mean, you're going to have your hands full. You're going to get pushed, and that's okay. You know, you know, I, I think it's all right if you're not you know blowing the doors off everybody, and you're going to see Ohio State blow the doors off their opponent probably seven or eight times a year, but there's going to be those games when they're going to be getting either that things are not going to be going right for Ohio state, or you're going to get an opponent playing out of their mind, or you're going to have some fluky things happen. And you know, a big part of it is how do you handle that adversity? 
Oh yeah, for sure. And they're just, I mean, they're a victim of their own success. They're, they beat the tar out of so many teams every single year that people sort of expect that to happen every game. And I think Wisconsin specifically is one of those teams. And there's a couple other ones out there, but Wisconsin is one of those teams that people never really think is that good. They think, yeah, they're going to be pretty good sometimes. You know, they'll, they'll win 10, maybe 11 games, but they're never really that good. They don't have the talent and they're not on the same level as Ohio state. I probably thought that going into this game, but I don't think that anymore. I'm not one of those people who's just going to say, yeah, Ohio State played crappy and was lucky to get out of there. They played a really good team. Um, Wisconsin had a hell of a game plan and gave them all they could ask for. So kudos to them for that. I mean, yeah, I'm glad Ohio State won, obviously. But um, they were a better team than I expected. And I think you don't win national championships without games like that. No one just runs roughshod over everyone the entire season, you know. Um, even Alabama, they had a hell of a test against Ole Miss, and they'll probably have another one this week against A&M. Um, you're going to have to win tough games in tough environments throughout the season at least a couple times um, if you want to get where Ohio State wants to go. So, um, yeah, I'm not one of those people who goes crazy that, you know, they weren't up by four touchdowns. I was frustrated by how they were executing on offense, but um, I didn't expect them to blow their doors off for sure. Sure. Um, you know, and, and don't forget, I mean, like you mentioned Alabama, I don't think, I think out of all the titles that they've won since Saban's been there, I think they only had one team that actually went undefeated. I mean, they've gotten beat even some of those really awesome teams that they've had. They, they still, you know, managed to, to slip up and drop a game. And, you know, to that end, when you really think about this, cause Wisconsin's in the other division of the big 10, um, I, I think Ohio State could have afforded to lose that game the other night, and it would not have been the end of the world. Yeah, the only game they can't lose is Michigan. Right. You, I mean, because it was the same thing as what happened last year with, with Sparty, and, you know, it's just Michigan that's taken that role this year of, you know, you, that's the, the one team that's in your division that could end up, you know, tied with you at the, at the top of your division standings because um, I, I do think still – you're going to have to win the Big Ten. I, I, I'm going to have oh, to see sure. a scenario play out. I, I just, I, it's still hard for me to envision a scenario where one conference is going to get two teams in, especially if uh, into the playoff. I'm saying, uh, especially if you're talking the second team from the conference that gets in doesn't even play in their conference championship game. It just it seems like the committee is through the first couple of years is really um, rewarded conference champions and and teams that have won their divisions and played in conference championship games i mean just look at like last year i mean or, or you can't tell me with a straight face you really think iowa was better than um than ohio state oh, and no. yeah. look who went to the rose bowl right and that's and... <laughs> that's different for those for those bowls i think that's different than you know the, the playoff goes it is um it's funny i mean to that end you can look at last year and see how much that Alabama's national championship is a fourth and 25 conversion away from not happening. They had, they had the, uh, Ole Miss had the tiebreaker over them and lost to Arkansas when Arkansas converted a fourth and 25 in overtime. If Arkansas doesn't convert that Ole Miss goes to the SEC championship game. That's right. And Alabama's not in the title game. They're not in the playoff. So the, the amount of circumstances that you need to happen just to get to that point is crazy, um, especially if you lose. So if you don't win all your games, you don't control as much as you would like. But, yeah, I'm with you. I don't see um, – you have to win your conference. You definitely have to get to the championship game, and you have to win your conference, I think, to have a chance. Um, I could, I guess I could see a scenario where maybe a team goes undefeated and then loses – in their conference championship game, but stays in the title hunt. I don't know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Ohio State doesn't beat Michigan, they're not going to the championship game anyway, so it doesn't matter at that point. No. So this weekend, uh, Buckeyes are back under the lights. They're uh, and again, they are. Uh, they're on the road, out. right? Ooh. Yeah. The the novelty of that at Penn State is kind of worn off. But, yeah, you uh, got to win some games. That's right, and. Um, you know, the, the one good thing Penn State will have going for them with this time hosting Ohio State in a whiteout um, is they won't have Joey Bosa 
lining up against them yeah, using one of Bosa their that's playing his ass off th- right now. There is, but you know, maybe the, the, the next Bosa can pick up a, a Penn state player and use him as a battering ram to run over the quarterback <laughs> with the game on the line. Use but, him as a tackling dummy. Uh, that was just one of my favorite plays of the last few years. That just was unbelievable. When, I remember, when Joey I remember did watching that. it, just looking around like what the hell just happened? He that never, even, he never even got to the quarterback, but he still got a sack out of it. He did. It was that, that, I mean, I, if anybody doesn't remember that, go look up the highlights for that game. Cause that, was just one of the most badass plays I've ever seen. Just using an opposing player and, and overpowering him to the degree that you could use him as a tackling implement. Uh, it was I've never seen anything like it. But um, no, I, I think before you and I started recording here, we were um, you, you were saying not really uh, the test uh, this week that uh, the Buckeyes faced uh, at Wisconsin. It shouldn't be. This is one of those weeks where I'll be frustrated if you know they don't win fairly convincingly. Yeah, um, and then we got A&M and Alabama. Alabama. Yes. Alabama. So that that's really the the one big game of the week, then, right? Yeah, I mean that's the one that that should mean the most for sure. Um, I don't think there's really anything else that noteworthy, um, at least not this week. Excuse me. Um, I'm pulling up the schedule actually because now I'm curious. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. I don't think any of the other top ten teams are playing anybody ranked. Yeah, Alabama versus A and M, one versus six. That'll be a good one at three thirty. Um, it's about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Arkansas Feel- Auburn that could have impact on the SEC, but Arkansas's already got two conference losses. We're and Auburn uh, sucks. So we're, we're due for one of those wacky weeks where some top ten teams start getting upset by uh, somebody completely absurd. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities for that to happen. I really, really, really don't think that it's going to be Ohio State because I just don't think much of Penn State. But um, I don't know. There's a lot of other ones out there, and it'll be uh, interesting to see if anybody gets tripped up. I guess that uh, outside of that uh, Bama game, that that'll probably be the only thing to really watch for this weekend. This week's line of disrespect goes to the uh, Oregon State Beavers, who are 37-point underdogs to Washington. Um, and the over-under is 54.5. Oh, wow. So, so not only are they giving 37 points, but they don't think – they're basically saying Oregon State will be lucky to score at all. Pretty much. That's uh, – that, that is rough. Yeah. That's going to be an ugly one. Um, yeah. yeah. It's kind of a boring slate this week. Not a whole lot of cool stuff going on. But luckily that uh, Bam A&M game isn't at the same time as Ohio State. So um, – have both of those on and you know it'll be a nice little weekend get ready for uh get ready for the tribe next week um might take it easy this sunday maybe do a little painting um maybe go to bed bath and beyond i don't know <laughs> i don't know if we'll have enough time yeah well you know i'll uh i'll, I'll be on the road again uh, got a <sighs> wedding coming up this weekend but um you know i will uh i'll be back in plenty of time and thankfully i don't have to worry about any uh any baseball i can just kind of relax and enjoy it and you know i think uh you and i'll uh probably uh jump back on the pot here on uh, sunday talk yeah, world series how's that sound yeah once we know who we're playing get on uh discuss them i'll have to read up a little bit because admittedly i know i know the big names but i don't know a lot about either of those teams that much i know they're they're at least the cubs have been the big story all year but um Admittedly, I don't watch that much National League baseball. So, well, as we record here right now, they, there's no score in uh, the NLCS game four, and the Dodgers are leading that series two to one. So, um, Cubs are up against it a little bit here right now. That uh, we're gonna have to see if they can, you know, they, this is not a team that has been pushed very much this year. I don't think they've been out of first place since the first week of the regular season. No, so, yeah, they clinched their division super early. Right. So they, they, they've been playing a lot of stress-free baseball this year. So to get into a situation now where they're behind in the series, it, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to, you know, I mean, they obviously have the talent to do it, but, um, you know, got to get it done. Another so thing we'll I was see. thinking about, and it just kind of popped in my head, the way that Tito has used his, um, used his bullpen, that can be pretty beneficial, I think, if you, when you're playing a National League team, when those pitchers have to hit. That's very true, because um, 
yeah, you're, you're, no DH when you play in the National League Stadium. So that'll uh, that'll definitely come into play, and you know we'll, we'll definitely talk more about that on yeah. Sunday. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think uh, you know it's it's not going to be as easy in those games just relying on on the top two or three guys in the pen. I think it's going to really be a full committee effort. Yep, no question. All right, I, I think that is the sound of. Uh, uh, us uh, picking a good time to wrap it up. Yeah, here. I got Trump so, and Hill uh, around here. Oh God, I, that 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 will not find its way onto the TV <laughs> in my hotel room. I'm not going to subject myself to that. It uh, looks way too again. simple for me. I'll, I have a feeling I'm going to turn it off mute here once we get done, and I'll watch for probably five minutes and get too bored. Trump hasn't lost it yet, so wow. Uh, so that's a, it's a change of pace for him, but well. Yeah, good, good for him. It's, uh, <laughs> so yay. he's got that going for him, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yay. yay. All right, man. Anyways. Well, uh, I think uh, we will wrap it up here. And, uh, yeah, we will be back this weekend. So for, uh, for Travis, this is Tom. It's been The Nail. And uh, we will talk World Series with you uh, next time. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.